Welcome to Love Life Church Podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Now, rest is according to what I broke it down into as far as the acronym, something that I believe that can help you. So R in the, in the acronym for rest is routine. We need to have a routine. Jesus had routines in scriptures as his custom was, and he would do these things as his custom was. See, we do routines. Everybody in here, you have routines. Now, what we have to do is we have to say, what do I want for my life? What do I want to see in my life? And so what do we need to do? We need to build routines, those habits. The scripture says that we should have a custom or a habit to come together, gather together. And he said, don't forsake it. Don't forsake gathering together. He said, people, because of their manners, will do this. In other words, because of choices and attitudes, they will start forsaking it. They will stop doing it because they lose sight of why or how come. And please understand this. I can get that because if it's just a religious function, there is no value in it. But if it becomes a life function, there's complete value. And you can, you can come and gather with that concept, understanding. And that's what I see. I'm not, gather, I'm not coming or gathering just for the sake of you. I'm doing it for me. And you should come to church for that purpose. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what they're doing. Honestly, it doesn't. You're coming. Now you receive. Because this isn't life. This is a portion, a tiny portion of life. Life is when you leave. Life is Monday morning. Life is Tuesday night. So we should be able to get some information, some truths that can bring some freedom. But guess what? No matter what I talk about in here, it won't do anything to you until you receive it and do it. You got to receive and do. There's nothing magical. You've got to receive it and do it. You know, the Bible says this, Jesus said this, these are those that love me. They hear my word and they do it. Now I can, you can go all over as far as teaching that, but you know what really hit home to me? The concept of what he was saying. These are those that love me. And he talked about him and the father and then said, these are those that love me. And then I started realizing, you know what? If we can look at what he was saying We can do the rest because what he was saying is beyond what I believe we're majoring on. And that is he's making a statement concerning us and relationship, close relationship. Like I said, you can hear it so many different ways, but he's really is saying this. You have the ability to have this close relationship. That's not a phileo or a friendship but it's like a marriage relationship, family. I thought that was wonderful. And I believe that's what the Lord consistently does with his word. He's trying to get us to focus in on the closeness of his family. And so when you start looking at it that way, do you not now start thinking, I wanna be obedient. Not legalistic, not religiously, because what is obedience? Define it for me. Is obedience your ability to do it now? No. Your obedience is your ability to learn, and through the process of learning comes the understanding of obedience. That's a child. That's a family. That's understanding. Religion turns it into, do it now. 
And we're like going, do what now? The scripture. And you throw a scripture out and you go, oh, okay. But you don't even have the concept or understanding of the scriptures. So what do we do? We start doing works. We try to legalistic operate in it. And we're going to fall flat on our face. And then what do we do? I guess I don't love Jesus. Exactly. That's what happens. We don't operate that as a family unit, do you? No, you don't. You understand there's a process, there's growth, there's a maturity. So let's process that. So routine, we gotta create routines. Not, oh, read an hour. Well, then why not two hours? Well, then if you can do two, why not three? Because three's gotta be better than two. And this is the problem. When we're talking about God and his word, it's all tied to the concept of meditate on it day and night. If we're gonna be truthful, it's about constant. So how do you do that? It's the process of living life. You're getting this word in your life. I was telling the young people this same thing. How do you get scripture? And how do you get these words and operating in them? I, I just started pulling out scriptures and so foreign in most of the things that I'll read to them. It's foreign, like you parents, you adults as well. I can turn to scriptures and start reading it, and you're going like, going, what, what? It was funny, because I turned to um, mention and I have long hair. You guys know that's in the Bible, right? Just shake your head, yeah, it doesn't matter. It does say that. Is that crazy? But guess what? Then I started explaining. But, but the point is, what, see, but what do you do with that? You're reading, and all of a sudden, <gasps> Oh, what's long hair? Is it a below the ear? No, no, come on. You guys, see, this is the problem. We want to judge religiously, but we don't want to be judged religiously. Oh, I know. I can go all over the place with this. And I literally can get people to go, gosh, who can then be saved? Exactly. Because when you get to religious concepts and mindsets, where do you stop with you can't do that, you can't do this, and you can't do that? This is what Paul said in God's word to us. I can do anything and I'm legal to do anything I want. Anything. But not everything I do is going to benefit my life. But I have the will and the ability to do whatever I want. Guess what? Y'all know that already. Everybody in here. Religion just wants to box it up and say, no, this is it. This is what he's saying. No, he's saying I can do anything I want. I've been set free. I have the ability to do whatever I want. But I could go out and buy some Coke right now and, and snort it up. What's that going to do? It's going to end up affecting me. But I have the ability and the, and, the, and the legality of God's word to do whatever I want. But it ain't going to benefit me at all. Do you guys get this? So there's a lot of choices we make that are not necessarily good ones. But I have the right to do whatever I want. That's God giving me free will. It's just so good. The, the Bible's good. But honestly, this is what we want. We want God to make us good. We want God to, to wave his heavenly wand over us and stop us from cussing. Stop us from doing this. Oh, God, please stop me. Stop me. I mean, it's just so religious in how people communicate that's totally opposite of what Scripture teaches. We need to know. And only the knowing of the truth and applying it will set you free. And that's our responsibility. So let's build routines, amen? The second thing was emotion, E-R-E, -E, emotions. Emotions are very important because that is how we relate to one another without being robots. But also understand this, the key understanding of emotions is this. You are going to 
be emotional tied to how you think. That's it, period. So your emotions are only tied to your thoughts. You're just not going to be walking down the road or, or, or pushing a cart in Fry's or Safeway or wherever you shop, Costco, and all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, because we have emotions. No, you had to think of something funny. And the process of thinking something funny produced laughter, joy. You had to think sad thoughts to start being sad. Guess what that does? It gets rid of excuses. Well, you just make me so mad. No, not true. Your thought process makes you so mad. Yeah, but I wouldn't think that. Well, no, 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 nope, don't go that way. Because this is what we want to do. I wouldn't think those thoughts if you wouldn't do. No, not true. Not true. You guys follow me. Do you understand this? If I allow, your, if I allow myself or just on the basis of emotionalism or religious concept, I'm going to sit there and try to say, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that rotten husband, yeah, you know what? If he would stop doing this, you wouldn't feel this way. That's not true. That's biblically not true. Now, do those things give you opportunity to think a certain way? Certainly they do. Now, what would be my responsibility? My responsibility is to recognize that. See, on my part, let's say I'm the rotten husband, my part is this. I don't want to give opportunity for you to think that way. Why? Because all of a sudden our relationship starts becoming more connected to responsibility. You guys see this? So now a husband and wife starts realizing I need to do what I can do so that you won't have the opportunity to think bad. But we all have opportunity to think bad. All of us. If people are even doing what we want them to do, we can probably judge them they're not doing it the correct way. I got that I, years ago. That's why I don't do dishes anymore. I got the pastor Lau. I was trying to be very good husband like I always am. And I started doing dishes and she came in and said, what are you doing? I, I'm, I'm being a great husband. I'm washing the dishes. And I could see her her mind starting to roll and I could realize I'm not washing dishes, I guess. Because she went, let me handle this. I'll do this. And I was like, wow, okay. So in my head, I was starting to feel a little, you know, wow. I mean, I was washing dishes for you. I'm not getting any props. But then I realized, no, what an awesome out. How great is that? Don't have to do laundry? Because I suck at that too. You know what I'm saying? In that, see, if we can operate some wisdom, and then if the wife ever goes, you never help. You want me to help? Because I can clean this room real quick. That's a little crazy, huh? So emotions are very important. The Bible says that fools, fools, and, and the Hebrew word actually is, is where we get our word moron. It, believe it or not, that's the Hebrew word is whenever we read fool, it's uh, moroni, which is moron. So he says, fools are people that just let their emotions go. And this world tries to tell you that's how you should live your life. You should live your life just your emotions all over the place. Because that's being authentic. That's being so authentic. 
No, it isn't. It's being out of control. Because we don't understand, as you think, so are you. But as you think, so goes your emotions. And I know this is not, you know, the, the Christianese way to say it, but hey, it's the empowered way to say it. You're in control. And I don't know about you, but the more I see the, the power that God has given me to change, I just think it's wonderful. I can't blame him. I can't blame church. I can't blame, you know, the worship's too long. The worship's not long enough. It's the building's too black. It's not, I, I can't do this. I need to understand this is on me. I can't excuse it. And either can you in your marriages, in your families, raising your kids. We got to quit it. Let's raise ourselves and the generations into an understanding that we're powered up to be successful. It's in our DNA. So let's allow ourselves to continue that way. Amen. So we get through the emotions, and the key is, is three emotional truths. Number one, emotions are high when wisdom is low. Emotions are high when wisdom is low. Number two, emotions are good as long as they're in control. Out of control, it's a train wreck. There are other things involved in being out of control. It's usually just not the situation. It's usually a buildup, especially with men, um, most men. Most men are not good at the release valve, so we tend to hold on to stuff. So what happens is the tendency is, I know me personally, the tendency is, is I, I carry stuff in the, in the, just thinking my shoulders are broad, you know, and I'd rather me carry it than having someone else do it. You know, as far as, I don't know, whatever. It just, it can be where you're doing things out of a gallant heart. But what happens is, is if something does trigger, all of a sudden things start spewing out that are not really equal to the issue at hand. And these are things we need to understand because all of a sudden we can be yelling at our kids. But actually it was because of all the stuff we were doing out with work or the pressures of bills and pretty soon we're going, bah! and they're getting the brunt of this anger when all they did is not pick up the ball that you told them to. Then we look at ourselves and we're like going, uh, and then we just go the opposite way and start condemning and banging and beating ourselves up. But all honesty, what do we need to do? Well, we need to start backing off and using some wisdom in this thing and understand, listen, if you don't understand the conscious way of life, You'll live subconsciously. Subconsciously, you don't change. You live the way you are trained. And it won't stop. And guess what training includes? And, I, and this is sad. But training includes all the hurts that you've had when you were younger. All the pains that you've had when you were younger. That's all tied to your subconscious. Believe it or not. You, listen, don't religion, religionize the scripture. We're new creations. Old things have passed away. That is a concept, the truth that has to be lived by choice. You have a new creation, but don't tell me that once you received Jesus, you were a whole different person. None of you were. Now we do Romans 12 too, where we start renewing our minds. That is the concept of the new life, the new walk, new identity, the understanding of it, and the process that that takes. It's not simple, but it is available and something that we can do. But it's life. Everybody say life. 
Everything in this faith is life, and nothing happens just instantly. Everything is a process of life, training, growing, maturing. That's why we become adults. We start, we start religionizing, boxing up Christianity based upon our assumption. Need to change, have to change, should do this, should do this, why not? And we box it, but we're not looking at life any longer, and everything about this is tied to it. So the truth is, is the moment you receive Jesus, now it's time to start the real journey. Not because oh, I'm 30 now. Well, that don't mean nothing. You're baby. You're brand new. And now you have to go through the process. But we don't allow it as Christians. As long as you're not telling me to do it. The thing is, is this what we need to be free? And to enter into God's rest, which he promises us. So we've got to what? We've got to create an understanding of emotions. The Bible said in Joel 3.10, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the weak say I'm strong. He didn't say let the weak be authentic and truthful of their emotions. No, he said, you say you're strong. Why? Why did he say that? Just what I've been teaching you. Your emotions follow your thoughts. Isaiah 61.3 says this, put on, put on praise in the midst of life that's filled with despair. What? That's exactly what James says. James says this, this is a definition through the understanding of how it's written. He says, throw a party when you come into great pressures in life, great temptations in life. Throw a party. Now, what's a mindset of throwing a party? You mad? Are you angry? Are you fearful? No. What are you doing? You're excited. You're happy. The expectation is, is all right, I can't wait. Man, you get around those young people and they're having a good time, they throw a party. The guys are dancing and the girls are, I mean, everybody's excited and happy and just, it's all over the place. And it's so cool to watch them. But do not kids do that when they're having fun? And that's what I love. I love to be able to see teens, which are still, believe it or not, they're still kids. Now, I know this world has tried to champion in, you know, making an eight-year-old start thinking like a 20-year-old. It's disgusting. But I love to see teens be able to experience what they really want in their heart, and that is just to have fun. Just have fun. I tell my boys, you cannot allow other people to manipulate your fun. If you like watching a cartoon, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks. It doesn't matter at all because you're enjoying it and you're having fun. So why would you bend your knee to someone that just is more mature and their life sucks? because they can't watch cartoons anymore because they're friends and everybody says, why would you do that? But inside, you know they want to. They, you know they want to. And if they're doing it, they're not telling anybody. I mean, I watch cartoons. I've told you this many times. My kids will be watching cartoons. We'll be watching something and, and eating and all of a sudden they're gone and me and Pastor Lauer are sitting there watching the cartoon. And then we look at each other and go, we're still watching the cartoon. Let's see what's gonna happen next. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's life, and it's a good thing. S is Sabbath. Oh, my gosh. Even saying that word becomes so religious and so legalistic in most people's viewpoint. Because we break down Scripture, not necessarily the truth. We usually break it down to religious concept and what we've heard or what we perceive, again, through religious concept. The word Sabbath is a, is a factual truth as far as God's will for us. And that means we do have to understand the importance of breaking away from the normal acts of life 
to be able to connect with that rest. But in New Testament, he literally is saying this. Every day we need to understand the power of rest. Sabbatismos, where we get the word Sabbath, literally means the ability to rest in the work is all finished. The work is done. Because what do we do? We start forcing and making this stuff happen when God's literally telling us to chill out. I finished the work. I've already finished the work. Don't try to force it. Don't try to make it happen. Allow the process of life to unfold. I understand issues. I understand frustrations, pressures, things in life that aren't happening the way you want them to happen, and we want them fixed right now. We want things done right now. I get it. There are many things that would love to have a little one that says, it'll work and change now. But that's not reality. That's not biblical truth. And so I have to recognize that if I can connect with what he says is available for me, then I can receive the benefits of that rest. God worked six days. I mean, six days of what we see in scripture. And on the seventh day, he rested. What did he do? Take a nap? Sleep longer? I mean, what was his rest? His rest is in the concept of what happened. Everything's perfect. It's done. I don't have to do anymore because it's all finished. How cool is that? I think it's wonderful. The first use of the word Sabbath is in Exodus 16:29. It's the law first mentioned is so important when it comes to scripture. A lot of people want to define words just based upon experience. The way you find an, a, a, a truth of a word is to go to the beginning of when that word starts, the, the root beginning. From that foundation, you can understand what that word was meaning, all right? But you can't go to this place at the very end and go, it means this, because what's going to happen is you're going to take the context of Scripture and you're going you're to totally violate it because you don't understand that law. And so here it says this, in, in the first mention, it says this. Don't you see that God has given you the Sabbath? So on the sixth day, watch this, this is so powerful. First time it's being used. On the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. The picture is this. Israel's complaining. They're getting hungry in the wilderness. They're going, we're going to die out here. We're going to die. We're, you don't, we don't have nothing to eat. And God says, okay, I'll feed you with heaven food. The heaven food then appears in the morning time. They gather this stuff together, and it gives them supernatural strength, ability, nutrition, all in whatever this manna is. And so they take of this manna, and it's enough. But on the seventh day, God says, I don't want you gathering. I don't want you out working. I don't want you, you know, all busy, busy, busy. Now process why he's doing this. He's laying down a spiritual truth for us to understand. It's not God going, y'all go to church on the Sabbath. You do anything else, you're going to hell. Don't you work, don't you eat. Don't. This is what religion did, Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes. They tell Jesus, stop your people from doing stuff on Sabbath. And Jesus is like going, no, we don't roll that way. Rolleth, rolleth that way. You guys hear what I'm saying? He goes, no, I ain't going that way. This is God speaking that created the law. So what does he do? He says this, on Saturday, whatever you want to think the Sabbath is, who cares? But on Saturday, he gives two times the amount for Sunday. So you don't have to do anything but rest. That is the word Sabbath. How does it relate to us? We don't have the legalistic view of Sabbath, 
But we have the spiritual law of Sabbath, and that is this. I should be able to live my life knowing that I got what I need. God already created the two-day bread, so I don't have to worry about it. And he did it yesterday. I I think it's awesome. This is resting in God's provision. Hebrews 4 is all about that. If you don't read Hebrews 4, I mean, that'll give you really clarity. Because what happened was Israel couldn't enter into all their promises. You know why? Because they couldn't rest. And what was rest again? Believing that it was all provided. That's why they couldn't get it. They couldn't get what belonged to them because the first generation continually had the slave mentality and continually could not allow God to be the provision for their lives. Why? They got a slave mentality. And so they lost out what God had for them. Are you guys hearing me? Okay, now we're gonna get to thoughts. T, thoughts. Routine, emotions, Sabbath, thoughts. Isaiah 26, three says this. You will keep him in perfect peace. The most, uh, like New King James and King James, NIV, I think, whatever, Different translations say perfect peace, perfect peace. Actually, it's the Hebrew word shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. There's no perfect written. It's the translators going, well, let's just make it perfect peace. But actually, it should have said peace, peace. If they're translating correctly, it should have said, God will keep you in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed focused on you. You will have peace, peace, shalom, shalom. The youth guys... The leadership, they know what shalom is. They understand shalom now. I, I went on the bus before they left. I, I just in here, I thought, I don't want to be religious. But I want them to understand the empowerment of God in his word. So I walked in. The guys were sitting in the back. And I said, guys, listen to me. I'm going to say shalom to you. And the reason why I'm saying it is because I believe in what I'm doing right now. And what it means is empowerment, security prosperity, healing. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a covenant word from God that, that represents this life of success. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So each one, each one of them, shalom, shalom, shalom. They were, get, they were pumped up about it. Then I got to the girls and said the same thing, and I went through them. And that in itself was the prayer for their trip, the prayer for their time there. It was the word of God. And it, it just felt so good. I um, left and I thought, I wonder if Sasha's gonna pray for their trip. I just forgot what I just did. So I called up and I go, hey, you know, make sure you at least pray for the trip. And then she says later that when she said, what'd you say, you, you're gonna pray? And they said, yeah, they said, my shalom covered it all. So I thought, how special is that they, that they connected and got it? But the best thing about it is they received it and applied it. Because that's the most important thing of anything, the receiving and the applying. Because if I'm just doing that and they're just like, okay, well, let's get to the next stage of real prayer. or let, Then they're missing out on it. Why is it so important? Because I want them to be able to get up Monday morning before school and say, shalom on my day. Shalom on my day. Shalom in my life. Shalom in what I'm doing. That is God's word, and it's used all the time in New Testament and Old Testament. But because it's become a religious concept or a uh, Jewish 
phrase of saying hello, shalom, we lose the whole covenant of it. Don't you understand that even though Jews today use that term, that the Jews and Israel did not go with God, they went away from God. So what happens is they religionize, Judeanize their terminology without the understanding of the pure covenant power of that word. Now, that's not saying all Jews, but the majority of them. It's just like you're going to say a cultural word that one, a day when that word was created could have had so much more meaning. And so what I want us to do is I want us, what does scripture say? And the scripture shows us the power of that word. So all of a sudden I'm in tuning my thoughts to that word and the importance of it. So now I speak it over our family, I speak it over marriage, I speak it over issues. I speak it over whatever I need to speak it over. And there's nothing magical of the word, but there's great power in the definition and understanding of it. And that's what I do. I speak shalom over you guys. I did it this morning. I said their lives are shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. That they are the head and not the tail. In other words, you're leading, you're not behind. You're above, you're not beneath. Now, no matter where you're at in life right now and in employment or whatever, the point is, is you need to start seeing yourself the way God does. Well, I'm just on the, you know, I'm the same factory as everybody else. No, he doesn't see you that way. You might be doing what everybody else is doing, but I promise you, you have leadership ability to make an impact and influence through the knowledge you have. Now, you might be doing what everybody else, whatever. You're on the same line. Y'all doing the same thing. But that doesn't make you not a leader. And that's what you have to understand. Life, Christianity, Bible truths about being a follower of Jesus is out there, not in here. It's a fact. What are you doing out there? Because that's ultimately where you're going to go. I told the young people, listen, I've been doing this long enough to see family units grow up kids and they get older. And then what happens when they get older? And I told them I'm 100% right of what I see. I can call it. This one's going to make it or this one is not going to. They're going to be religious or they're going to get away from this or they're going to follow through with it. And I said, I'm 100%, 100% right. And I said, it has zero to do with I'm so spiritual and I've got this special power. It has everything to do with understanding statistics and the operation of how religion works. And people can play the game in church, but if you're living a total different, you can be in here and just love, 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 but y'all gossiping, you're speaking bad and your kids are on that. I don't care if they're doing the puppet ministry here. I don't care if they're in children's worship. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're going to ultimately go that way outside the door. Why? Because you are the greatest book in their lives. And it's your responsibility. Church is just a, a little portion that can benefit your guys' life. But if you ain't taking it home, in other words, hearing the word and doing it yourself, they don't see it. It's funny. All the friends that I had and their parents had, you know, little liquor bars and stuff in their houses. And we always thought, you know, one day we're going to get in there. And yeah, we did ultimately one day. But anyway, not one parent. And they're all smoking and everything else. And, and you know, this way families were. And every single one of them, not one parent ever said, one day you get to smoke and drink. Not one. They all said, you'll never drink and you'll never smoke while they're drinking and smoking. 
And guess what? All those families, all those guys did. Just that. All right, just a, just a, you know, a little parent thought there. Heck yeah, we can all be guilty here and that. So don't wear it. God, I could go through the whole Bible on Parenting 101, Marriage 101. We're all going to stand up there and go feel guilty. Don't do that. Everything about God and his word is to bring information and truth so that you have the opportunity to adjust, not to condemn. I, the Holy Spirit just said, straighten it out right now. That's how I felt in here. Because automatically, I already know what goes through the head. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. That added scripture is so often so wrong because they threw that in there. It's so terrible that Bibles allowed it to be in. But after that scripture says this, for those who walk after the flesh, walk after the spirit, not the flesh. That's not even in the Bible. You know that? It's not even in the Bible and they threw that in there. That's how the dangers of religion is. They can't, they just don't allow freedom. They don't want it. They want rules and regulations. And that's not what the Bible teaches. All right, anyway. So our thoughts are important. We have to make sure we control them. Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I shared this with the young people. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What's that mean? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't live a life going, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. They're going to be obedient to Christ. Because you define that. I can guarantee you what's going to happen. You're going to define it in a religious concept. Obedient to Christ in the first place is an understanding of a position of authority, submission to truth. And what's Christ's truth? I'll tell you what. This is obedience to Christ. I can do all things. I can accomplish anything. I can overcome. I can win. I can be successful. I'm healed. That is bringing every thought captive to the obedience of what? A truth. Every thought is going to relate to information truths. Every thought. You can, you can have fantasy thoughts and you can daydream thoughts but ultimately, the concept of who you are as a person, a created being, this mind has the process of thoughts and belief in thoughts. That's why people have difficulty in areas where they can't overcome and things like that. Because there's a thought process that has become a wall in your life. That's why the scripture says, cast down vain imaginations. The Greek is logical process of thinking. What's a logical process of thinking? That's not necessarily a positive. Logic is, is I've been hurt, I've been hurt, I've been hurt, I've been hurt. Build on a wall, build on a wall. I've been hurt, 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 I've been hurt. Logic thinking is, is I'll get hurt. And guess what? You're 100% right. I mean, if we're looking at a natural picture, it's true, you're going to be. But what did God's word say? Tear down the wall. Why? Because as long as you continue to think that way, you're going to have that way. Scripture. So what do I need to do? I need to tear down it. But what does it ultimately mean? I got to trust Jesus. I got to trust his word. I got to trust my dad, my father. He's telling me to tear down 
not for the reason of tearing down because that won't help me. He says, tear it down to a different thought. This is good, people. See, you're going to be not based upon what someone else did to you. You're going to be exactly to what your predominant thoughts are. I know we would wish we can make excuses and reasons and cause blame and point fingers. I know that's, that's the human nature. I mean, please, come on. Wake up, Christians. What's the beginning of the sin and fall of man? Blame. The wife you gave me. The, the devil you made. I mean, it's blame, blame. The first act of sin is to blame someone else. I mean, please, come on. Grow up, people. We're going to try to blame everything on someone else. But the truth of the matter is, is the truth. And what does that mean? That means freedom, actually. It's freedom for you. Because it isn't about that person. Why would you let someone have that much power over you because of what they feel or think? Don't. Don't. You're better than that. How do I know that? Because your value is already established. And I believe God when he said he died for you. I believe when he said he loves you. I believe it, period. No, I don't feel it all the time. But the point is, is I believe it. And as long as I believe it, ultimately, the predominant thoughts are going to win out. You want rest? What are you doing? Come on, what are you doing right now? What are you doing that's stirring up all this stress? What are you doing? You said, yeah, we want to point fingers, but no. What are you doing? Control. You are empowered to have a wonderful life, wonderful marriage, wonderful families. You are empowered, each one of you. Yeah, I get it. Not everybody is going to be on the same thought process as you. But ultimately, it's about you. That's how God sees it. That's how I see it. Your predominant thoughts will control you. Thoughts determine feelings. Want to change your feelings? Change your thoughts. You want to change your thoughts? Change your words. Change your words, you'll change your thoughts. And Jesus clarified it this way. We all go through life worried about clothes, food, transportation, housing. And we go through life all concerned about stuff. And he says, focus on the truth. And the truth is, is God took care of every living thing on this planet. Birds don't get up in the morning and go, oh my gosh, how are we going to make it? You understand? Everything is processed with the understanding that God has already taken care of it. Then he said this, don't take hold of thought saying, what's the reciprocal of that? What we say is what we'll think. It's a process. I mean, what we think is what we say, but as long as we start speaking the different thought process, we change the different action because our actions obey the thoughts.